What is the good word, everybody? Welcome back to the State of Basketball. This is your man, the commish, the one, and I'm joined by, you know, the big man in the middle, Mr. Storm. And this is a BW Sports One original podcast brought to you by several people. Uh, Rogue Energy, Be Legit <laughs> Organics, uh, Bomb Burger, uh, Revved Up Tattoos, and Karma Coin. So check the website to get up with all the links of our great partners and sponsors. Hey, bro, this is a special series. Are you ready for it? Oh, I'm so ready for it. I've been ready for it since the inception of the show. Uh, it's about big man, which is definitely one of the roles I played uh, in my career. So uh, let's get going, man. Yes, this is the under the back, under the boards uh, roundtable discussion where we get a lot of our uh, basketball friends from across our media network and we just just discuss things that are basketball and today like you said is the big man the past relic or a future dominance that is evolved so uh we got a nice panel for you guys today so let's go ahead and bring these guys in for you first up we got mr chad novinger if you guys know the youth basketball scene on the women's side he is attached with the igb community and he is all over the place hey chad what's going on buddy what's happening guys glad to be here always a pleasure and then we got here mr cool c what up corey cannon ellen grant youth uh sports extraordinaire What's going on, guys? I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Ready to get it started. Always a pleasure. And then we got here, you've seen him on the show before, Mr. Coach T.J. Perry. Again, a person that you've seen in the youth scene. Um, he's, uh, what is he, in the elite youth basketball coach. And this guy's an assistant coach at the Carmel High School now for the girls basketball. Love it, love it, love it. What up, T.J.? What's up, fellas? Looking forward to another fun show. Uh, hopefully we can enjoy this as much as last time. Awesome. And then bringing up the rear but not last, one of our followers from the BW Sports Network. What up, Mr. BJ McDonald? What's going on, bro? I think he went mute on us. <laughs> Definitely appreciate y'all coming in, man. Uh, sorry for the technical difficulties there, but I uh, appreciate y'all having me for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So um, let's introduce everybody and let them know a little bit about um, your background with the basketball and what you are currently doing, and then we'll get into it. So let's start off with you, Corey. What you got going on, bro? You say start off with me. I'm sorry. I'm having a little technical difficulties, but I think you start off with me as, in regards to uh, basketball background, correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. Uh, myself, you know, uh, played basketball with you. Uh, Loris North grad, played four years for Jack Kiefer. 
played a couple of years. Uh, obviously, my junior high background. Basically, I've been playing basketball my life and coach basketball uh, as well. Uh, from adults, obviously, that includes you as well. Uh, uh, to an undefeated record, that's a whole other story. But yeah, my uh, I have an extensive basketball knowledge of the game and uh, whatnot. So that's me. Awesome. Great to have you on the show, my good man. And, you know, we're going to throw some L.A. shots out at some point in time. <laughs> uh, let's see who's up. Uh, TJ, tell the people about you. Uh, the Indiana boy, uh, not quite born and raised, but raised. Uh, Columbus North High School grad, played there, and then went on to play at Butler University. Uh, played a lot of pro-am ball uh, down at Arlington uh, back in the day when they were running all that out of Arlington in the summertime. And then uh, once I had some kids, I started getting involved with coaching. So I've been doing it now about the last 10 years and just keep getting deeper in it. I uh, was doing the Indiana Elite uh, for the last, I don't know, well, AAU anyway, for the last six years. And uh, here recently, June 1, started with uh, Carmel High School. So stepping into another realm. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Chad, you're bringing it up. What you got, bud? Yeah, Chad Novinger played played locally here in high school, college, program circuit. Um, didn't really hit my groove until I was about 25 years old, where I dominated the, the local YMCA's for a while. <laughs> um, dedicated my life the last six years with, uh, along with TJ. I think uh, we're two of the guys that have uh, probably had one of the biggest influences on girls basketball, making sure that everyone has an opportunity to play, making these girls better. Um, all I can tell you with these guys, with, with TJ and what we're doing, youth basketball, especially on the girls' side, is in really good hands right now. You're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, good play coming up. So excited to be here and, and happy to be with you all. And that I can agree with you on that. Both of you guys have had your hand in it. You know, since my daughter started playing years ago, I've seen you guys' faces all over the youth scene, especially the girl side. And we just, you know, our paths just have crossed. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, Mr. McDonald, tell us about you, bud. Man, I'm just a fan. You know, uh, I've been playing basketball pretty much my whole life. Uh, grew up here in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Uh, won two state titles there in high school, back to back. 0809, shout out to my guys that may be watching. Uh, went on and played college ball four years and then uh, really just started picking up and playing some uh, a little bit semi-pro and then play men's league. As he said, you know, Chad said he dominated some YMCA leagues. We got a couple leagues down here like that. And uh, really just a fan of the game, man. A student of the game, I would still say, at the age of 29. So uh, appreciate being on here for sure. Well, you are definitely the youngest person on this panel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll live in it, man. It's all right. I'll live in it. All right. Well, hey. Let's get it started. Let's get into what we what we all um, joined up to take care of. So the big man, the big man, you know, I got most of us, you know, I'm saying, even Mr. McDonald with his 29 years of experience. Uh, most of us have remembered the big man being a fixture in the paint, not very movable or not very mobile, very, uh, very limited on their skill set. But as the game is involved, so has the position of the big man. It has evolved. So I'd like to start off with some of the memories of how we grew up with, um, excuse me, we grew up with the ball being played inside the paint. Now, remember, 
it's still played inside the paint. I just think it's changed how it's played inside the paint. Because <clears throat> even now, back in the day, when we watched teams dominate, most of the teams that won championships had paint game. Even today's champions still have a paint game. It's just played differently. And they're still a dominant player on these championship games. Last year, you had Anthony Davis, who was a dominant post player. This year, you had Antetokounmpo, who is a dominant post player. He just plays it differently. So I'm going to start off with Storm about what you think is is what's going on with the state of the big man right now. Uh, I just feel like – so let's just start when my era growing up. So uh, I'm a 70s baby, late 70s baby. So I remember Kareem. I remember um, Patrick Ewing. I remember um, Akeem the Dream. I remember Rick Smith because I'm here, Pacer fan, first and foremost. Uh, so I remember those type of uh, centers. And a lot of them at that time was moving a little towards more that uh, it was drop steps, baby hooks, uh, and maybe that mid-range step-back jump shot, maybe that turnaround jump shot. But I feel like now it's moved from that. Uh, also, something you can run your offense through. It was a focal point. Let's start down low, and either you get that easy basket or you're able to throw it out for a three-pointer that's definitely more uh, better chance of making. So from that, the skill set had changed. So then – a lot of your taller players started dribbling more, started running the break, you point forward, start getting taller, more athletic, more uh, able to just have coordination. Uh, and when that came, uh, you also had the little blip in it, right? You had that one dominant Shaquille O'Neal. I was in that era as well. So he came in dominant and he didn't need free throws. He didn't need any of that. He was dominant. Uh, definitely reminded you a lot of Wilt back in his day. Um, and now we're to the point where a lot of them are shooting threes, uh, running the break. I feel like offensive offenses have gone away from starting that focal point of let's start down low and then move out and see what happens to, uh, getting to the point. Now it's all about analytics. Uh, we get more threes up if the percentages look well. Uh, and with that comes with a different style of play. I feel like the fans, are interested in a faster paced game. The one thing about dumping it down low, it was kind of muddy. So it wasn't maybe for some people who weren't diehard fans, it wasn't an easy game to watch. So I feel like all of these, I mean, I want to let give everyone else, you know, time to talk, but I feel like there's so many variables to go into this. So that's that's my time for now and, and we can move it on to someone else. Who's next? <laughs> so let's 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 look at this angle. Um, let's go with the fan angle. Um, uh, BJ, like you like I'd like to hear what you have to say because you're from the younger side of it. You got to see more of the uh, the, the Shaq dominance and then more of the the more I want to say mobile or more skilled big man. How far back? Yeah. yeah, how far back past Shaq did you see of the bigs? Because with your age group. The big man was a little more skilled than what we grew up watching. Right. Uh, I remember, like, the Kembe Matumbo, you know, uh, guys like that who literally got points off of rebounds and putbacks and then just played defense. Like, you couldn't score in the lane with guys like that because you had big fellas down there that, A, could touch you, 
and B can put you on the ground and not even get a foul call. So I think physicality wise, it's changed a little bit. Uh, based off of what Storm said, you know, it did start on the block, but I think now with the skill set that the bigs have today with the Jokic, the Anthony Davis, I even put Kevin Durant in that situation because he's a seven footer, but the offense now starts at the high post and you work your way off of that, whether that's off the ball screens, down screens, you're trying to find a way to get shooters open and the best bigs are able to work at that high post right now. And that's where the game has kind of moved out because of the three point shooting and the spacing that we now have in the game. Right. Um, TJ, let me, let me, let me come to you on that kind of spinning off what he was saying with the development of the high post. Um, because I feel that when we were playing, we were still using the one or the one four or the double stack or the high post set with your bigs up. I just feel now they do more of that with their guards than per se their bigs. Like they're putting their bigs in the corners, you know what I mean? And letting the guards is uh, orchestrate off the high post. But it's a little different than when we played in like when you played in the NCAA circuit. I, you know, I would say, and, you know, my last game was against Danny Fordson, and I'll never forget, one of the most physical dudes out there at the time, uh, you know, played him in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But I also look back a little farther to that. When you look and you watch the bad boys and you watch that ESPN documentary with Jordan and the Jordan rules and everything, they kind of changed. And a lot of that, I think, was from a physicality standpoint. And I think the NBA pretty much drives everything. When you look at what the fan wants, and you mentioned it, what the fan wants – um, that was a physical basketball. I mean, it was honestly assault when you watch it today. Um, and looking at that, you know, that's definitely evolved as time has come. And, and they want to see points. They want to see scoring. And with that, the NBA way back started freeing up uh, every pretty much every two or three years. There were a lot of rule changes that started to come into play. So I think some of what was dictated from the top uh, at the NBA level, that kind of filtered its way into the college level and the high school level and then into the youth. Because that's what the kids watch. I mean, if you if you're my era, like a lot of you are, you watch, you watch CBS every Saturday and especially on Sunday, and you saw the Boston Celtics, the LA Lakers, the Houston Rockets, and that was really all that was on was on <laughs> CBS. Um, but you know, obviously, the influence and what they watch, there's a whole lot more out there. But I do believe that the NBA has driven uh, a lot of it. You know, the analytics as well as the scoring, as well as the entertainment side of it. And I think contracts, you know, players don't want to get beat up. If you're in the NBA right now, you're timing your contracts every three to four to five years. These guys, the money, there's so much money in there. They're small corporations. So there's so much going on, I think, at a higher level. And I think a lot of that's evolved. And I think a lot of that's been trickled down to what the kids watch. Um, and because that's what they watch, just like that's what we watched. Um, they're not. So they're watching a different game than what we watched when we grew up. Hey Chad, let's let's go on the you side of this. How how do you think it's changed so much and now how we develop um the youth? I know you guys pretend, I mean you pretend, not the word. I know you guys tend to work more on the female side of the sport, but y'all see these tournaments where they're the, the boys and the girls are mixed. How do you see the training of the bigs now? It I feel that even myself, I think we we train them more towards the guard skills with big skills instead of just training them to be basketball players. Yeah. You know this firsthand because I had you come in and help my team a couple of times this year. We, we appreciate the big man and we work, we want to work on the, the post skills because you, you run into a team that's got a big that knows how to play big and, and does it the right way. You're in trouble. 
I mean, that's you know, we, we can run with any team that we that's out there. But if we run into a, a, a girl that's just so dominant inside and, and can get those 20 rebounds and has the post skills, I mean, it, it changes everything. It changes. You can't you can't drive the ball inside because they, they clog the paint. They get every rebound. They, they get easy putback buckets. It, it totally changes the game if you have a dominant big. And I and being being from Indiana, I mean, we, we remember the the Davis boys, um, Antonio and Dale. I mean, they, they changed every game because nobody wanted to, to drive the ball inside because they knew if if you did drive the ball in and the Davis boys were inside, you were getting you were getting killed by the time you got there. And and today everyone watches Steph Curry. And I'm representing Dirk because I wanted to be Dirk when I was playing at 25 in the YMCA, shooting three-pointers instead of being in the post like I should have been. But that's what's cool today is you go watch the youth kids play, and everybody's playing like Steph Curry now because trying to score 40 points is cool. But, I mean, nobody nobody dominated a game like Dennis Rodman, you know, 30 rebounds and two points. How valuable is that? Nobody, you know, you, you get a kid on the high school circuit today. I know TJ coaches at Carmel. If you got a kid that can get you 30 rebounds and two points, they're on the floor the entire time, point blank. I mean, that y'all got one, they got one in Noblesville. They just don't play her. Well, <laughs> Danny I, I, Mendez. I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta be careful there. This is this is gonna be live, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. I'll speak for Noblesville and Carmel. I'll say it. We're good. <laughs> but no, um, I agree with you on that. But I also think that we gotta factor in the European style of basketball. You know, what I mean, when those guys like Dirk and them came into the game, being that they were shooters. You know, it stretched the floor a little more, made the floor a little more open. So you had to adapt here in America. So we went from physical bigs to skilled bigs like, um, and I agree with you, Kevin Durant, you're seven foot, you're big. And regardless, I mean, your crossover is still is still taller than most point guards. So you're still a big. Hey, you know what I mean? Big, big smooth, baby. He changed everything. He changed <laughs> right. everything. I agree. So, but then you add, and I, I'm watching the Olympics, and I watch um, – a little FIBA basketball now, I think that the European game has switched. I think the European big is going back to that dominant power big. If you just watch the Olympics, what gave the United States team the difficulties? The team bigs. with bigs. And quick you know guards. And, and shooters. Yeah, shooters teams, yeah, teams with bigs because Spain – if Rubio made a couple more shots, the Gasol brothers would have been effective. And you saw what France did, you know what I mean, with an effective bid. If Rudy could actually had an offensive skill set, I think they could have gave a little, a little more scare into the United States. So I think that we have to factor in the uh, international players as but well think, when we uh, go into this. Uh, go ahead. I think Gobert definitely does have a skill set. I just feel like – the NBA, the NBA game is sped up to the point where there's not time. That's the one thing the bigs uh, at times needed was time. Everything is bam, 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 shot versus let's pound it down. Let's use this clock a little bit. And uh, Charles Barkley took advantage of that to the point where they changed the rule and added that five-second rule. But uh, at the same time, just giving them that opportunity. And another thing with big uh, – as far as back in the day versus now, not having that ball handling skill was you had to be given the ball. You could just take the ball, go down and post up, 
it was situations where you had to wait for someone to decide to give you the ball. <laughs> you can call for it. You can do all you want, but they, you have to be given the opportunity. So um, I feel like that's definitely something that needs to be taken into account as far as that goes. Um, definitely the fact uh, that the skill set has gotten better. Uh, the European the European game uh, is definitely taken some sort of effect, even though I feel like what we talked about Joker earlier, you can still get an MVP if you have knowledge of the game, post moves, and being able to pass the ball with a nice shot. I think development, too, plays a big part of it because at this point, you don't know how big a kid's going to be. You don't know how big a girl's going to be. You don't know when they're going to grow. So at the end of the day, if you're doing it right, you should be developing them positionless from the beginning. So they got to have all the skill sets to play basketball, you know, regardless of what that is. And I, honestly, I think that if you're not doing that, you're really doing a disservice. And then if they evolve into a big, then you can enhance and add more to that. Um, and, and the reality is you don't see many special bigs. I think the last one we can all really agree upon is Shaq, right? I mean, just that big, big, just dominant. It didn't matter. Uh, everything at the bucket, everything dumped. Um, there's a few that are I mean, shot blockers I... in defensive specialists, but even like a Gobert, who's defensive player of the year, still doesn't have the offensive prowess to really impact games, per se, on the, on the one end of the floor. Shaq was doing it on both ends of the floor. But I feel that like we good. haven't seen it. We haven't had opportunity to see it. They don't run sets for him that I've seen a whole lot of. So I get it. There's probably a reason for that. But I feel like uh, Gobert could have a game if given the opportunity and to slow it down and just give him a chance. His his um, game offensively, though, is so limited as far as his jump look. I mean, that? I don't know. How do we know? Like, do he's we know he's been in the league way too long for us to know. And then he doesn't do it. And he doesn't even do it in his, in his uh, international ball with his team ball. You don't see any offensive – uh, like we don't, there's no set for Rudy Gobert. We don't call Unless a play the for Rudy Gobert. I think the only person <laughs> close that we had, yeah, the lob I'll pick and roll. But somebody's creating for him on that, right? But somebody's creating. I think the only guy that we have right now in that in the league who can really say that they are a true big and can dominate a game from the point, from the post. I think Giannis can. He just wants to do more because he listens to the people say you need to shoot jump shots. You know what, what I mean? But I think Embiid? the only guy that we had, that's where I was going. Embiid is probably the only one that we have right now that we can Joker. give the ball to and can do something. Here. The Joker. Joker does. He does if he has the time. His movements are too slow. But he makes plays. His his goal, like Storm, like that's one of the reasons why I love playing with Big Storm back in the day. He was a big that was dominant. He wasn't dominant because that's what about his offensive set, even though he could do it. He was dominant because of the things that he did on the floor. He made plays. You know what I mean? Joker makes plays. But if you take the playmaking out of it, I don't know if you can really just sit there and pound the ball to him and let him go at it time and time and time again like you could with Embiid. Embiid has everything. And now he's getting the idea, like, I shoot the jump shot because I want to. I don't shoot the jump shot because the game dictates that I have to. I think that goes into the, the round that me and uh, Storm were talking, you know, pre, pre-show pre about Embiid. I think Embiid has all the tools to be great. He does. But I don't think he has that mentality yet. And it takes a big in the NBA to learn where he fits. And I think when they do get rid of Simmons, whenever that is coming soon, 
it's going to be him beating all the pressure is going to be on him. So he's going to have to step up. I think he'll be ready. But uh, as far as dominant big man, I think, like you said, Storm, I think Embiid is that guy, to be honest. I, I think he's got the mentality. About, uh, what you saw in the finals. What do you feel about this center, uh, Aiton, out of Phoenix, for what you saw this past uh, playoff series? You feel like he has potential to be? Because I feel like he has post moves. He has the hook. He has the jump shot, the drop step, and also can do the high pick and roll lob. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on him? And then maybe um, Cat Williams, too. Like, or yeah, I'm going to let him go. I'm going to let that one go through. But I'm I'm a here. I, I I like what you're saying with that with DeAndre Aiden. I love his skill set. I love his his ceiling point. But in that finals, we showed well, it showed that he was not mentally ready for that challenge. I think but can he get there when he because Shaq I think he can Shaq, get there. Shaq didn't win I his think, first. Hey, I think he can get there because he has that mentality. It's just you have to learn. You have to lose to win. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I think he figured that out. And Bede has figured that out with that Kawhi Leonard and how hard he worked last year. Because I think if he's healthy, I think if if, if if Embiid does not get hurt last year, I think he's the MVP. And I think uh, Philly makes it further than they should have. I think Philly plays for the championship if uh, Embiid is healthy throughout the year and doesn't get hurt again right in the finals with the McNiscus. I don't know if, uh, and I know this is off topic, but I don't know if Embiid and Simmons, I feel like for whatever reason, they just are not vibing. Oh, Simmons needs to go. Yeah, they're not vibing. Yeah, Simmons. (laughs) So um, uh, what what do you think about uh, Embiid or DeAndre Ayton, uh, Chad or TJ? I, I would say with Embiid, the one thing he can still do is stretch the floor. Again, you get back to some of that European. Right. He can step out just like Joker can, and they can knock down a three. Now, Aiden, he doesn't have that in his bag yet. Um, but what Aiden does have is he's got uh, a motor. You know, and you said, is he there yet? No. But he does compete, and he does have a motor. And a lot of these guys, you got to have a motor. you got to have a want to to get to that point. Um, and, and, again, they're, they're, he's still developing. He's young. Um, he's going to learn from these experiences. Uh, but again, I agree with everything you're saying with Embiid. Um, but at the same time, he can still stretch the floor, right? He can still come out and he will shoot the three effectively, um, just like Joker will, and use it and use it to stretch those bigs that have to come out and guard him and take him away from the pain. Take him because if you're a defensive player only and you've got to come out and guard a Joker or an Embiid and knock down a three, then you know you took away a Rudy Gobert really out of the game defensively because he's got to come out and guard. Yeah. How much do you guys think youth coaches and, and youth parents are affecting the big man? Because Aiton's young, but I think, uh, I mean, talking about McKenzie, we used to play her when she was little and she would dominate us. And the coach could throw it down to her and then she could score every time and they'd win by 40. But youth coaches aren't letting big bigs dominate, so they don't want to be bigs because, you know, they're not going to play that way because parents are going to be unhappy. You know, I at, think at, – I, I'm going to attack that one on a different angle. I'm going to attack it like this. Um, I think on both sides, the youth the youth level struggles with the paint um, in the paint because you have too many individuals that don't know the game affecting these kids' growth in the game at an early age when they shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to talk bad about 
uh, the some of these township youth organizations because I think they do great work. You know, like Carmel Pups, I think they're great. Uh, the Nova, the uh, the Millers, I mean, Noblesville, their youth program is great. But the problem is, is all of the people, all the coaches, all the things are volunteer parents. Yep. You have too many parents that want to coach their kids just to coach their kids, not to make these 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 young uh, women and men better basketball players. That's where I think it is. Yeah, but even if they are, even if they are, I mean, TJ knows the bigs. I know the bigs. You know the bigs. But even if we do, it's hard to keep everyone happy because you have you have eight kids and you have one big kid that's bigger than everyone else that could just dominate, and you can't you can't just let them go play big and dominate because it's not the cool thing to do because you're not involving all the other kids. I just I see it so often where a big kid could dominate the game, and then what happens is, is after they don't let them. Then they want to go do the other stuff. Then they want to play point guard because the coach's kid's playing point guard or, you know, the point guard always has the ball. So the big kid doesn't want to dominate because they're not letting them dominate. There's there's a lot of facts to that, Chad. Uh, you're spot on. And, again, I think a lot of it is age appropriate at the youth mm -hmm. level. You know, there, there's certain age levels that you need to be doing certain things. Um, and, and from that perspective, I agree. You do have kids that – it will just dominate early, but then they eventually get passed. But at the end of the day, if you're serious about development and really developing kids and youth and basketball, I, you you got to be developing them positionless until they establish what they are and who they are. Um, you got to really be building all skill sets at all times. But when does it stop? I mean, I've seen I've seen kids from in third grade that could dominate, in sixth grade that could dominate because they're big, and now they're high schoolers and they could dominate for the big, and they still don't use them. They still don't. They still don't want to use them. They use them as screeners. They use them as. as that's coach. As, that's that's coaching mentality. That's coaching philosophy. You know what I'm saying? Like we see it, and I mean, hopefully it'll change at a um at you know with your influence over at the high school level. And don't don't get me wrong. I don't want to say anything bad about Coach Trippy. I think she's an excellent, uh, excellent young learning coach, but she's a guard. You know what I'm saying? All your offenses are designed for guards. When you have a dominant post player or a post player who can draw dominant or draw double teams that create open shots for other people, then you got to be able to use it. But you got guards. I think you have way too many guards trying to coach bigs. You know what I mean? Especially at the especially at the um, I want to say the high school level. You know, and the youth level. I mean, when you get like middle school and things like that, I think it all blends together. But then when you come to the high school level, you have high school coaches. You have these people who have resumes that have been doing this, that have state champions and all this type of stuff. And you don't utilize big your your all your positions that are available. I think politics have a lot to do with it. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean, not not politics, but you know, yeah. high school township politics. I mean, there's a lot of it in Hamilton County. So, I mean, and there's a lot of it everywhere, but it plays out. You know, you have kids whose parents bitch the loudest. Mm -hmm. So their coach has to do this because the athletic director or the boosters are saying, well, my kid needs to play. You know I mean? You have all those things in, in the youth sports, and it, and it kind of frustrates me because my daughter has been, and I'm not saying it just because it's my daughter, but I've seen the disrespect that she's got and all the hard work that she's done because she's not a guard. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that too, on top of that, like in a mindset as a younger player, you're going to say, okay, I'm as good as that person. I'm going to be, I'm going to go do what they do. 
You know what I mean? That to me, I was a big going into college. I'm six five. I was a big going into college at 180. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do to change my game to where I can be on the floor? I take charges, play defense, and then I developed a jump shot because I knew that's where the game was going. So I think it's also a player's mentality as well. We can put the pressure on the coach and the parents as well because don't get me wrong, they deserve their fair share of it. But I think the player also has to accept the ability to want to do those things. Too many times we see kids, especially on the guy's side of things, because I know it's more of a video game thing, but they're playing 2K, and how many times do you see kids go out there and try to do between-the-legs dribbles because they saw Steph Curry do it two nights before? It's an acceptance of the kid and the parents as well, allowing their kids to do stuff like that. Yeah. How much you think that is due to what the NBA chooses to market? <clears throat> Tons. Tons. 100%. Has, I mean, that's it's, what they're marketing. That's what the kids are seeing. So that's what they want to be. You, they're not doing a big marketing campaign for Joker and B, but more of his personality than his mm-hmm. skill set. When you hear the commissioner, ahead, when you hear the commissioner clearly state it, you know, this is entertainment. You know, we're in the entertainment business. These guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars in contracts that are now just absolutely enormous. Um, and their salary caps are growing each and every single year. I mean, the way that even the mentality of the athlete changes, you know, their, their conversations around, you know, they're look at them as small corporations. You know, that's basically what they are. Uh, they're all small corporations and they're looking at the bottom line. They're looking at how to extend their careers. You know, it, it, there's just so many things that have changed from that perspective versus a guy like Larry Bird that, you know, had skill, retired when he was 32, 33 with a bad back, but he was throwing his body all over the court um, every single night. Was that was that in his best interest financially? No, but he was there to win. Right. At the end of the day, he was there to win. That's and some and, of that, and not some to say players today are the there game. to win. But I think mentality is definitely a big, big part of that. So you think people put more value on monetary contracts now than winning championships? You you, you gotta you gotta look at it a little bit different. And you know, I, I, I've been around Chris Thomas, who's trained a lot of NBA guys, and so the conversations we have and the conversations he's having with a lot of his NBA players, it's interesting to listen to. And I've gotten a lot more feedback in the last six years to hear some of that as to just you know the thought process. Um, and then with a lot of these guys coming out of college uh, early, they're looking at how many how many sets of terms can they get in their contract cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is a legitimate thought and a legitimate plan as to how I'm going to get you know to the end, and what's that look like, and and how many years might that window be? Man, okay. so I, I guess the love of the game is gone. I mean, I guess uh, it's the love the, of the, the dollar. The definition of love of the game maybe has changed because back so, in the so, day, is it the, the love of what the game can give you? Game, yeah, probably. But we love the game. Like I'm 40, man. I just started playing again. Like I cannot give this up. Like I've been like playing. If I could, I, I would. Kindergarten. <laughs> Same. I, you know, as long as I'm <laughs> healthy enough to play, I'm gonna play. Uh, the longest I've been away has been two years, but I, I mean, that to me is love. Where. It gets to the point where you're paying to play versus getting paid to play. Yeah. Getting getting paying to play with some bullshit ass reps. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is uh, you know, you guys are both wearing Michigan, so you guys know this player. And I don't know if you mind me taking this direction, but we talk about the big man, but look at Luca Garza. Prime example. National hey, player of the Iowa. year, big man. Iowa dominated inside, was the guy that went and got those 20 rebounds, you know what I'm saying, every week. 
and was dominating. Footwork is nice. Post game is nice. Pre catch is nice. Four but yeah, he player. goes in. The, but he goes into the second round in the NBA and gets you know a slight deal with the Pistons to get a chance. You know that just tells you where the big man's at as far as the NBA. And he can shoot. And he has a little a decent mid-range, you know, step out jump shot. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. Like you see defense, bigs defense. He's slow footed. Play, so what Storm but was you, saying, he can't get back on defense. The game is too fast. I was telling my wife the other day, you know, on during summer league, I'm like, watch, he's gonna sprint back because that's what they told him. He's gonna have to sprint back every time because he's so big. But he's been sprinting back his whole career. I mean, you gave Tyler Hansbro, you know what I mean, a shot. You can't give Luca Garza a shot. I think he's a good. I think he's a, a good guy for somebody for somebody's program. But you don't. You can't field those type of players, or at least in a permanent role on a college bench. I mean, on the NBA bench, you can fill him. He's gonna give you, you know, eight to eight to twelve minutes a game. But he's not gonna give you you know, 25 to 38 minutes a game. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. One, most bigs that he's playing against, you know, can handle the rocket move by. But that's the difference with college basketball and the NBA basketball's entertainment side of it. He's not entertaining. Right. He's not going to put people in the seats. Yep. They're not going to go to Detroit to see Luca Garza. They're going to go to Detroit to see Cade. Cunningham from Oklahoma State, by the way, who is a fabulous basketball player. <laughs> I, I have a question for Chad and uh, Coach. Yep. Uh, how much do you guys feel like spacing is huge in this? Because I feel like some of it is spacing where they're so uh, guard heavy with the penetration and things of that nature. Uh, we just Just get out of there and let us do our thing. Yeah, space, spacing is enormous. We, we, I mean, TJ and I both train our kids to, to do things the right way. We, we're, we, we screen. We teach everybody screening. Everybody's spacing the floor. Everybody knows how to play every position. But it, it's it's a lost art. You go watch high school basketball right now. Everybody everybody is is trying trying to penetrate. It's penetrate, penetrate, penetrate. And I and I think it's because so many coaches, youth coaches, they're all running five out. You're all throw the ball to the outside, space the floor. Let's get the ball to our best athlete who can beat beat the defender in front of him and get to the basket and win games. So bye, do you bye. feel like that is kind of hurt the big man? It's, is it's, hurt, it's hurting the game. It's hurting the game for sure. I, I would say certainly spacing is a big thing. And, and when you don't see it, I'll say it this way. As a, as a, as a coach, and I watch this uh, every weekend, I think I did 130 games I coached this summer. <laughs> And when you see the, the the lane and it's clogged up and you got kids in drive lines and you got opportunities and yet somebody either gets in the way or goes to the wrong spot, and that's not even a big, but they, they're just in the way. They're clogging up space from a game that honestly can be at sometimes more efficient based on skill set. Obviously, you don't have a lot of dominant bigs. Uh, most teams don't. I mean, you, you'll occasionally run into those at the national level. Um, you're not going to see a bunch at the local level. Uh, but the bottom line is the spacing has become so important. And I think it's even more important on the girls' side only because they're not as long as the boys. They're not quite as athletic as the boys. They don't cover as much ground as the boys. So when you space the floor, there's going to be a lot more There's going to be a lot more opportunity uh, on a couple ball reversals, dribble drive kick, whatever the scenario might be, you know, baseline drift, any of that. Um, 
the spacing becomes almost indefensible after some time. Uh, you're gonna see you're gonna see breakdowns if not many. Yeah, I think like we go back to to the fact that we need to teach our youth the whole facet of the game. I think that's what we did back in our days when we was learning how to play the game with our different coaches in different high schools. I was fortunate to play for it, and I wish Corey was still on, but he got a little busy. I wish he was still on, but I was fortunate to play for one of one of the better big man coaches in in Indiana back in the day was uh, for Jack Kiefer was uh, Coach Irwin. Um, Chad, I know you know uh, Linda. You know, I mean, her husband. You know, Coach Irwin taught me everything I know about being in the paint, and that's kind of how I teach McKenzie. I want her to know paint work, but I also want to know the other side of the game. Because let's face it, I mean, you're just under 6'2 now, but you're 16. You're not going to grow too much more. So you're going to be a three if you get to the next level. So I can't focus all of my training on back to the bucket, jump hook, and all that type of stuff. I have to develop a jump shot. We have to develop ball skills. We have to be able to shoot off the ball, shoot with a hand in our face, and things of that nature. So I think you still have to develop the big as a player, but I think as they get bigger and more dominant, then you have to pay attention to that big side of the things. I got a question for you, Dame. How much of that do you put on coaching versus the player? Because I also feel like the special ones, the ones that are able to move to a higher level this game, kind of have that in them uh, as part of the love of the game. Because I feel like that was a part of the love of the game for me to want to learn. I had Magic to look up to where he was running point, even though I was a big I wanted to be magic. He was 6'9", I'm 6'9". I, I, I want to make plays. I want to do th- things that are special. So how much of that is coming from the player or being inspired by the coach? I think it can be – I think it should be a mixture of both. You know what I mean? Um, the player should want to be able to do things that make them the best that they can possibly be. The coach – his job is to bring out the best that that player can possibly be. So if you guys have a common goal of being great, it should blend together and come out. Now you got coaches who destroy kids because they want them to do what they want to do and not what the kid is developed to do. Do you think that that's a true statement, TJ? Um, I, you know, sometimes intentionally or not, you know, I don't know every, every scenario in every case is different, but what I will tell you is what I do find a lot is that a lot of times it's, it's either inexperience or they just don't know what they don't know. I mean, I, I say that often, they don't know what they don't know. And that's no different for a player when they come in and you're trying to show them things or teach them things. And it's like, man, this seems simple, but at the end of the day, they don't know what they don't know because nobody's shown them or nobody's taught them. The other thing I can say, different from boys, definitely from girls, boys watch basketball, right? We all watch basketball. We watched when we were kids. We watched it, like I said, every weekend. We watch it, right? So we can be creative. We can think on our own and think outside the box. I don't see, at least in my experience, I don't see a lot of girls that watch the game. And I mean watch it consistently and watch um, to go out on their own and be creative and try to do things. I feel like there's a lot more teaching involved. Um, on the girls' side versus the boys. The boys all think they're Steph and LeBron. Girls, they want to be taught. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of it's just from watching the game. I, I agree with you there, buddy, because we've got – we Storm, you know this. 
we've like we played double dribble for three or four hours or watch basketball for three or four hours and then it's like okay well let's go do it for real and then we're out there we're playing let's go we're trying, trying to do what stuff. they did let's go hey, try to do what they did man do you know i had to text mckenzie Demner every time the women the olympic team played you know the girls teams play right oh uh, yeah what channel which channel was that at <laughs> she loves the game but don't care about watching it at all and it's not even just the best they don't even watch the WNBA either they just don't watch it yeah that's fine I got a question for you so which do you think is is more popular right now in the game in the NBA level dunking that's on what, somebody or a step back three-pointer crazy which, too which, I, I guess um, that kind of did go ahead Nah, go ahead. No, I I guess that kind of depends on on the player. You know, me, I I I like dotting an eye with the three, but there was nothing like putting a boy on the poster, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing like you know, especially back on the drop step. Posters. Yeah, back when they had posters. Yeah. There's nothing like, you know what I'm saying? You get the ball in the paint and you get a good strong power dribble, drop step, and you just, you know testicles in the mouth you know what i mean that's it's kind of his i mean there's something different about it when you put a boy on the poster i mean it's cool to shoot the three you know what i mean leave it up there hanging you know what i mean next hook on the other side you know you got the metal net so you hear that ching, you know what i mean but there's nothing like the roar of the crowd when you sit on a boy's head i feel i'm gonna take a different take i feel like it depends on the individual person me and Dame may be dunking because it's feasible for us to be able to do that and replicate that. For yeah. a shorter person that can't dunk, it may be Steph Clur- uh, Steph Curry. But I enjoy Steph Curry just like I enjoy the game, and that is spectacular to be out 50 feet, throw the shot up, turn around. And I, I like the showmanship of Steph, right? Uh, so I like that, and he kind of flirts with that line of cocky versus arrogant because you can ask Dave, I don't like arrogant, I don't like arrogant, but I definitely applaud being confident. And I, the way he portrays it is confident, so I feel like it's a person to person thing. So you'll get oh, people who think they can bang or can't bang like that aspect, and then you'll have the ones like, Well, I can't duck anyway, but I can. Shoot I can shoot that thing. Yeah, I can shoot that thing. <laughs> hey, hey, store. I agree on the showmanship. You know what I mean? That shit is great. I love it. But David, man, when you sit on a boy like like Storm, he he can testify because he set so many people up over the years here in the city and the state of Indianapolis. Because one, he's a big. So when the big gets the ball in the paint in the playground, what do they do? They immediately double team me. Well, or that's turn their head, or really, or turn they, it got to a point where all they needed to do was to just turn their head and not look at you. Yeah, just do this, and I'm gone the other way. I mean, spins off the backboard, catching them, you know, lobs in the air, all that. All you had to do is just turn around. That's why I love playing with you. But me being a hybrid, a post and a guard, hey, it wasn't like stepping back and dotting the boy eye for game. <laughs> I know TJ. I mean, I know Chad. I know you spared some of that at the Jordan Y, you know, with the dirt uh highlights. 
Oh, I, I love I love shooting the three and hitting the three, but there's nothing like dunking on somebody that that changes everything. That changes your day. Yeah, the best. The, 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 the BJ has to say, "What does BJ have?" To say? <laughs> hey, man. Most it depends on where, like you said, it depends on where you at in the moment. To me, you know, I'm sure y'all saw the Trey Young video that went viral. If you haven't, get a chance to look at it. You know, my I brother was it. there. That was his video that that actually made the video for overtime. He shoots for them, but I mean, just in that moment, it's all about the atmosphere. You know, if you got Trey Young down two with three seconds left on the clock, obviously the three is going to be the most important thing. But there's nothing like, you know, seeing LeBron James dunk over Jason Terry in the middle of the NBA playoffs, you know, something like that. But I don't know. To me, it's all about situational for sure. What was yours, TJ? Because you did both. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was a, I was an inside out. Uh, I was probably, what, coming into college 6'9", about 200 pounds. But I could get up and down the floor. I could shoot. I could certainly dunk it. Um but the best ones, uh, you know, we used to play with the pros a lot, and that's all we would try to do in college. Like the Pacers and all the overseas guys would come in every every time. We talked a little bit about this with Rutland, and I mean, that's all you would try to do is, is, is sneak sneak on somebody, basically, whenever you could. And then, and then, and then the reality is, it, it didn't happen very often. I'll be honest with you. Trying to dunk on Rick Smiths and Detlef Shrimp and Dale Davis and Antonio just didn't. Work. I agree. Um, but you certainly tried. Right, you certainly try to. If Vern Fleming or Pooh Richardson was down there, you're gonna try to get them. Um, but the bottom line is, when when you hit somebody and you get that extra lift, right? You actually look like you can jump higher than you really actually can, and you get that lift, and then you're, I mean, you're up in place you shouldn't be. That's what those are the good ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hey man, I can attest to trying to dunk on NBA players. Now I was playing down the Nips. Y'all remember when Nips was? Was the shit down down off the IUPUI campus? IUPUI campus. Oh man, five days, talk, five days a week. <laughs> man, talking about ball in. Hey man, I caught the ball on the wing and gave old good pump jab. It went to the rack three steps. Stormino three. If I get three steps, I'm putting anybody on a poster. So I'm thinking, you know, what I mean, I'm fresh. My boying is still good. I'm I'm good. Year and a half out of college. I'm still technically in the best shape of my life. I went to go get him. Yeah, I think my back still hurt from that. <laughs> seven four, seven four, dog. <laughs> He's a big boy. Solid seven four, too. Solid seven four. Yeah, man, that was. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in the Kemp era. That was my guy. You know what yeah. I mean, Sean Kemp. So. Any chance, and then he was the point at you. So any chance that I get to put a boy on a poster, I'm going. You know what I mean? If I'm on the three-point line, I know I got the shot. But if I can pump fake you and go to the rack, if I got three steps on me, I'm getting anybody in the city. <laughs> or getting fouled. <laughs> or getting fouled, or you getting dunked on and fouled. So because there was times with me and Damon, there were times when me and the one was on opposite teams, and I just I know I, I fouled. Either foul or let him go. Hey, hey and to go in the wall. Hey, go back to <laughs> go back to the arrogance and cocky. I agree with that, and I guarantee you, if if me and Storm wasn't cool, he wouldn't have liked me. Cause I, 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 I was talking shit. <laughs> I was talking shit and I'm in your face, all of that, but you can't do it. If you can't back it up. Who, who can still do it? Well, I can't now. I mean, I can shoot. I can still shoot. 
That's I can about still it. Pass. I can still pass. <laughs> you know, I'll if we want to play horse, <laughs> if we want to play horse, I can do that all day. But if you talking about getting on the court, uh, Storm, I think I played with him my last time. We played in the Macker. That was it. I was done. After that, that toilet bowl, our first toilet bowl ever. I ain't played since. I tell you, I was uh, I was playing pretty heavily with a lot of twenty year olds until I was about 43, 44. And then I had a couple of my boys go down with some uh, Achilles, and after that, man, I'm Ooh. like, nah. nope. I just that, that that freaked me out. Took it as a sign. Today. Took it okay. as a sign. No, nah, it's time to get out. I'm gonna stay in shape, but I'm not gonna try to get up down with 20 year olds anymore. I've already had one partial anchor reconstruction, and I got a replacement on the way. So yeah, I'm done. <laughs> unless they can give me a robo leg, then I'll, let's go get it. <laughs> Little tink tink. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, so, does anybody hey, got I just wanna, yeah? I just want to say I feel like this should be just the first installment. Uh, we definitely need to. There's so many things that we didn't get to cover that I definitely feel like needs to be covered. Uh, we just I just want to keep big man in the light somewhere, uh, where they still talking about big man in a positive way. So, um, with that being said. Big well, man's not dead. Let me, let, me, let me say this, Stormy. One coach said it best. You know what? Athletes get tired. Length never gets tired. Right. You can't teach so it. You, you can't, can't teach, teach it. It's, it's, still, it's, still, it's still effective <laughs> at all levels. <laughs> seven foot wingspan is still a seven foot wingspan. But, Storm, I like where you went with that because the goal for this is, is to create, you know, a panel a round table of basketball fans, coaches, uh, or just, you know, just us who just like to talk the game. So the goal is to create a panel of a round table that we can get on here, you know, once a month and talk things basketball. You're like, you know, development of the three-point shot. Should it be moved out further? You know what I mean? Should it be another point added? You know, those type of discussions, you know what I mean? Should we address the fact that the NBA tries to change the rules of basketball and then these kids go practice and shit and think it's real? Right. <laughs> Gosh. Think it's so, actually yeah, a the, part of the game? Yeah, like, yeah, like, really, there is a there is no such thing as a breakaway foul, clear path foul anywhere else in basketball. <laughs> But I get it. You know what I mean? I get it. But that's the goal. The goal is to create a panel of, of individuals who like to talk basketball and get on here once a month or so and just talk ball, man. So um, anybody got anything else before we go ahead and cut this out? I know it's Labor Day weekend. I got shots. Wife's handing me beer. Uh, <laughs> I know I cooked the brisket. I got some hamanaki wings. I'm great throwing the grill. It's time to get down. Oh, you got to send the address. <laughs> like I said earlier, he, he can cook. Hey, man. There's no doubt. Before, uh, before we do leave, like, before we do leave, I do want to give a, you know, a shout out to the people that listen to um, Louisville. Uh, what was it? Oh, my gosh. It just went through the hurricane. I just want to give shouts out to them. Louisiana. To them out. Louisiana. I don't know why I keep thinking Louisville, but uh, Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if anyone can look out for them, they went through a lot. You know, we all Americans, you know, we come together uh, as much as we love sports and basketball. We also uh, like our human race. So um, 
just if anyone can reach out, I know the Red Cross is doing things like that. That's all I got. Oh, humanitarian storm. We got to get him a new tag. <laughs> no, but um, helping the people. No, it's nothing wrong with helping the people. Hey, um, I thank all of you guys for coming on and hanging out with us. You know what I mean? Once we get the next uh, subject matter together, we'll put it together. We'll make sure we'll get all these this interview or this show broadcast over all our social and reposted and all the things to get you guys' voice out there. Appreciate you coming in and hanging out with us for a while. So um, if that's all we got, we're going to go ahead and close this thing out. Hey, appreciate it. As always, Ooh, have I a lot take of fun. Yes, sir. Anytime. Gotta take my shot. <laughs> go blue. Cheers. Go pokes. Cheers. So, go so there you have it. Every oh, yes. I'm watching that game. I'm watching that game. Hey, did I not call? If you guys watch our football show, did I not call the UCLA LSU game yep. on point? I am hey, the shit. Did you have IU winning? Uh, yes, I did. I did. That was my <laughs> upset game, and they just shit all over the place. <laughs> and go so, blue. Um, and go blue all day. So um, thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, this is another BW Sports One broadcast. State of basketball. Every Normally during basketball season, we're on every week, 2 o'clock, every Sunday, 2 o'clock. But it's the off season, so we're going to come with you with special events. So thanks to TJ Perry. Thanks for Chad Novager. Thanks for BJ McDonald all the way down in Oklahoma. Thanks to Big Storm. And everybody else, I'm out. Ahala. See ya. I think I need to hit the button and I'm having troubles because my nipple is burning.